and welcome to Matters of Life. I'm John Lucier, and I don't know if everyone else can sense this shift that has happened in the spirit, but it has happened. We have entered into a new season, a new time that the Lord is moving, and although we have not yet seen the manifestation of all that the Lord is doing now and will accomplish and complete, fulfill in this season, Understand that it's already happened. And just like with Israel, there came a time where there was a shift. The generation that was a changing of the guard, if you will, where that generation that was in the wilderness and refused to trust the Lord and his word and enter into the land to take it, to possess it as their inheritance, what was promised to them or promised to their forefathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. What the Lord had declared to them as part of the blessing of the Lord being their God and they being his people. Since they had refused, there was now this time where in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 4, Moses begins recounting their history to them, and repeating the law, or Deuteronomy, which is known as the second giving of the law, to this new generation, the generation that actually will enter into and take and possess the land the Lord had promised and had covenanted with them as part of them being his people, and he the Lord being their God. So we're going to look at that. And then we're going to look at that in relation to, to us, to America. Because we, and I'll say, I'll just say it this way. We need to obey the Lord, the one true living God. So I urge America today to obey the Lord And although the words that we're going to read in Deuteronomy chapter 4 is is written to Israel, it can easily be filled in as written to America. Because America covenanted, the United States of America, its forefathers covenanted with the Lord that we would be one nation under God. Which sounds very similar to God will be our God and we will be his people. The covenant is the same. And it's what those who are are believers that are followers of Christ, that believe in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is the same covenant that we who believe have entered into. So we're going to begin Deuteronomy chapter 4, read the first 10 verses. It says, Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I am teaching you to perform, so that you may live and go in and take possession of the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I am commanding you, nor take take away from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord has done in the case of Baal Peor, or Baal Peor. 
For all the men who followed Baal Peor or Baal Peor, the Lord your God has destroyed them from among you. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. See, I have taught your statutes, or I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do thus in the land where you are entering to possess it. So keep and do them. For that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God whenever we call on him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law which I am setting before you today? Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently, so that you do not forget these things which your eyes have seen, and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, when the Lord said to me, Assemble the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children. And this is the the beginning after Moses has recounted the history up to that point. He now spends the rest of this book going into great detail on all the laws and how they should carry and conduct themselves in their lives. What is good, what is righteous and just. Exactly as the Lord commanded us to live. Righteously and to do justice. Because we love the Lord. Because we have put our faith or our trust in Him. And we have also put our hope in Him. Now the Lord was preparing to bring them in into the land. They are outside of it. But he goes into a a few different aspects here that are worth noting in this chapter. We won't read all of them, but it's for our own knowledge because they absolutely apply to us today. He first begins telling them and commanding them in obedience to the Lord. And we just read most of that section. And for the same reason, we, a nation under God, a nation who God is our God and we are his people, or said in the structure the Lord created, he is our father and we are his sons and daughters. We are his children and joint heirs with Christ. We need to be obedient to the Lord as he has commanded us. But then he goes into, and even in that section, he reminds them of what happened with Balaam and and Balak. How they had taught the children of Israel how to sin and the destruction that it caused to themselves. And how many died as a result of willful and wittingly, full knowledge, full, full knowing and full a choice to participate. They were not ignorant. 
but they willingly and willfully chose that, to participate with sin. The idolatry aspect, sexual immorality, and adjoining themselves to other gods is what happened there. Which is why the second portion of this chapter, he goes into how idolatry is forbidden. It's absolutely a reminder of the Ten Commandments, but not only the Ten Commandments. We should not have another God before us, if God is truly our God. And it's not just the things made with human hands, although they are all absolutely included. It could be anything. It could be a person. It could be a belief. It could be a possession, an asset. Anything that shifts our trust from the Lord God. Anything. Whether real or imaginary. Whether physical and tangible or abstract, such as a thought or an idea. All of that counts and is included in idolatry, which is forbidden. But then he says in verse 32, he begins another section saying and reminding them that the Lord is God. And we're going to read this This is verses 32 through 40. He says, indeed, ask now. Concerning the former days which were before you since the day God created man on the earth and inquire from one end of the heavens to the other, has anything been done like this great thing or has anything been heard like it? Has any people heard the voice of God speaking from the midst of the fire as you have heard it and survived? Or has a God tried to take for himself a nation from within another nation by trials, by signs and wonders, and by war, and by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great terrors as the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord, he is God. There is no other besides him. Out of the heavens he let you hear his voice to discipline you, And on earth he lets you see this great fire, and you heard his words from the midst of the fire, because he loved your fathers. Therefore, he chose their descendants after them, and he personally brought you from Egypt by his great power, driving out from before you nations greater and mightier than you to bring you in and to give you their land for an inheritance as it is today. Know therefore today, and take it to your heart, that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. So you should keep his statutes and his commandments, which I am giving you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may live long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. And as I, as I read that, it absolutely highlights the goodness of God, but also how great and mighty he is. And, and as I said at the beginning of this episode, 
there are there is a shift that has happened. We are we have entered into a new season, and the Lord is absolutely bringing about a deliverance for this nation, the United States of America. And I'd say He's also looking on behalf of the whole earth, people after His own heart, that He can show Himself strong on their behalf. It's not exclusive only to Israel and only to America. He is Lord of all the earth. All of the heavens and all of the earth are his. And we should be quick to remember that and to give him the reverence. As we read, at least in this version, it says fear, but the fear is not to be afraid of the Lord. It is to give him the reverence, the respect, the honor that is due his name. And do him for who he is. It's the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He is the creator of all of heaven and earth. But what's also interesting in this is the very next section even after recounting their history and the, and the deliverance that he showed and proved and demonstrated, a deliverance which he is still, or, and I'll say in the spiritual realm, it's already done. He's already brought about the deliverance for this nation. The natural happens after the spiritual. It takes time for the natural to catch up, for us to get our faith in action not based off of what our eyes see, but before it happens. Which is also why I'm talking and feel led by the Lord to talk about this now, because this is for what happens after the Lord brings about our deliverance. So we can prepare our hearts to follow His ways, His commands, to have His ways and His thoughts actually using the mind of Christ, fully active. And we can't get that from our own vain imaginations, but through relationship with the Lord as he reveals those things to us. So it's also interesting as the Lord continues to demonstrate his grace. And while Israel is camped out outside of the promised land, in this valley. There are, if you will, cities of refuge that are set up for those that have violated the the testimonies, that have violated the, the commandments and the statutes that the Lord gave. That they still had a place to go where they could receive mercy. which is absolutely amazing and just further demonstrates the Lord's love for us and his desire. He wills that no one should perish, but he is patient. He is full of loving kindness and goodness and grace and mercy. And he demonstrates that continually towards us. And then... Moses ends this by introducing the law. And it says in verse 44, 
Now this is the law which Moses set before the sons of Israel. And these are the testimonies and the statutes and the ordinances which Moses spoke to the sons of Israel when they came out of Egypt, across the Jordan in the valley opposite Beth Peor, in the land of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon, who Moses and the sons of Israel defeated when they came out of Egypt. They took possession of his land and the land of Og, king of Bashan, the two kings of the Amorites who were across the Jordan to the east from Eroer, which is on the edge of the valley of Arnon, even as far as Mount Sion, that is Hermon, with all that the Arabah across the Jordan to the east, as far as the Sea of Arabah at the floor of the slopes of Pisgah, And again, and then beginning in chapter 5, he repeats the Ten Commandments and begins laying out the law in great detail. Greater detail, if you will, than than was heard before, it could be argued. But it's for what the people needed, so they could follow it, which was Moses' exhortation, even at the end end of this book, but at the end of his life. When he says, put this book of the law. Some chapter 32. Oh, excuse me, it's in chapter 31. Where he says to, to put this book of the law next to the tabernacle as a sign and a witness against them. But the priest said, no, we'll, we'll do all the words of this law. And he says, Moses says to them, you did not do it, you could not or would not do it in my sight when I'm around you. How much more will you be able to do it when I'm gone? Now again, it's not about a person standing over our shoulder, it should not be. But as the Lord brings us in, as he brings about our deliverance and brings us into the fullness of what he has intended for us as a nation, after God or under God, after his heart, to be a lighthouse to the whole earth, a city set on a hill or a nation set on a hill. I would encourage you today to make that choice for yourself to do it. To make that choice to do all the all of the things the Lord has commanded and exhorted us to do. All the laws, all the statutes. And I'm not just talking about a legalistic, religious standpoint. But it comes from active relationship with the Lord. If we are His people, and He is our God, then we should be letting everything pass by before the Lord. And, and I'll use the, the example of voting. And I know that's in a previous episode about selecting leaders. We've talked about that, give or take, 10 months ago. Uh, coming up on a year ago, actually. So within the last 10 to 12 months. But I bring that up because as people are preparing for the next year, and for or a year from now, give or take, with the voting, and selecting leaders for this nation. We have to adopt a new mindset 
and a new strategy in voting. And no, that's not because of or only because of issues with the machines and, and the current way ballots are counted and potentially could be manipulated and used to overturn or to hijack an election. It's not about that. We have approached voting with the same, and, and I'm talking about believers and Christians. We have approached, we, Christians and believers, have approached voting with the same mentality when you get down to the core of it, of what we so often hear concerning abortion from the world. It's my body, my choice. Now I'll tell you that that's a fallacy. And it's an abomination. Not only because the act of abortion is murder, but the choice was had long before actually trying to make a choice to erase the consequences of the choice and engaging in that action. But we, as Americans, we have, or I'll say it in this way, because we have had that freedom, and we can talk about it in, in aspects of freedom to vote, because we have had that freedom to vote, we have taken it to supersede what God wants to do in the moment and in the situation. So this is our right. And we've done the Christian check in the box thing. But we have forgotten that we are his vessel. You, you are a vessel of the Lord. And as a result, we need to seek the Lord for what or who he wants. In every situation. Again, we'll just keep a focus right now to voting. Your vote is meant to confirm his word, his plan, and his candidate. Not validate your personal thoughts and feelings. But people have denied, and I mean not the world, not only the world, but believers. Those that profess Christ have denied God by voting based on their personal sentiment or their likes and dislikes. And they've had and then have had the audacity to be upset with and even blame the Lord for not confirming or blessing your personal plan and ideas. Our vote is meant to confirm the Lord's choice. It's a demonstration of our obedience to him. It's a demonstration of our faith, our hope, our trust, and our love for the Lord. By voting how he has instructed us to vote. According to his plan, his purpose, his will, and his covenant. And it's not just in the voting. I bring it up solely because well, the Lord was talking to me about it. And the Lord was talking to me about it because it's also something that has been a hot topic on the mind of everyone. 
whether it's Christian circles, whether it's the world circles, whether it's the media, it is constantly being discussed and plans are being implemented for or to carry out the actions and the results, the desired results that people want to achieve a certain outcome. But I would tell you, if God's our God, shouldn't we trust him with the outcome? If God's our God and we're his people, his outcome is perfect. And in, in and of itself is a blessing and a benefit, not for a select group of people, but for all people. If he's our father and we're his children, if we are sons and daughters of the Most High, shouldn't we desire what he desires? Isn't that showing him the honor, the respect, the reverence? Let's do his name. So America, I, I encourage you, I exhort you, I urge you to let everything pass by before the Lord and to obey God and everything that he is commanding. He will not violate his word. He holds his word above his very name. And the faster we will come into his divine order, his divine alignment, and demonstrate our love, our faith, and our hope in him by our obedience, the faster we will see him move on our behalf. The immense blessings poured out over us in this nation, not just for our own benefit, but that so we may also bless and benefit the whole earth, not because of anything we've done, but because of everything he has done in and towards us. So as we bring this to a close, I'd just like to thank you, each and every one of you for joining us, joining me on this. And I say yes because I'm never alone. <laughs> the Lord's always with me, even if I'm the only one here in the studio. I'm never alone, and neither are you. The Lord said he would never leave you or forsake you, but he is always with you, and he is always speaking. So let's take the time to listen to what he wants and to be obedient to what he is asking and commanding us to do. So thank you. God bless you. I love you. Continue to press on in righteousness and justice. And have a wonderful evening.